five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. My name is Chris at Lightforest. I am that voice, that sweet voice you like to hear each and every week. Joined virtually by Sam at another Sam Chan. We got Omni at Omni Strife and special guest to the show, Taylor, who you will know as at Fate Steel Taylor. Taylor, I'm going to throw the mic over to you because uh, you are a guest and I, to be honest, know Sam and Omni will be back next week. All right. Well, uh, that's a pretty good throw. It's uh, halfway across the continent, you know, crossing the borderline too. But yeah, so I'm Tay, uh, known as Fate Steel Taylor on Twitter, on Reddit, a uh, longtime listener, first time caller, uh, big fan of the Overwatch League and Overwatch in general. I've uh, been following since Apex season three, been season four, really. Uh, yeah, so big fan of podcasts, big fan of everything Overwatch related, and I'm also one of the hosts of the R Anime podcast, as well as the host of my own uh, daily Overwatch League podcast, or at least semi-daily uh, podcast. I will be back. So, actually, I'm going to ask you about that. A daily Overwatch League podcast. Is there truly that much content that you can talk about it daily? I get, like, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday style, but, you know. Seems like uh, there isn't a whole lot going on. Yeah, so definitely throughout uh, Thursday through Sunday, you know, just talking about the games is usually good enough. But Mondays is when I usually do power rankings. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, I usually talk about... Uh, so one time I talked just map by map, uh, did like a podcast analysis of the Chengdu Hunters-Vancouver Titans matchup, uh, going through map by map and what the big things were from that. And then other times I'll go over contenders news, some signing news, uh, some tier three, tier uh, two news. Uh, used to be a manager of a tier three open division team uh, for the last. So it was for this upcoming, uh, this current contender season. So just trying to keep my pulse uh, around there. It's been a little uh, rough with the Overwatch League kind of dead in the water and not much in the way of signings happening, but definitely uh, aiming to get back into the daily routine once Stage 2 really get uh, kicks off. Cool. Well, Sam, Omni, hate to be remiss. What have you guys been up to this week? I just cracked open the piggy bank, uh, invested in some new recording hardware, and I'm pretty happy to announce that this is now an ASMR podcast, so welcome to Ready, Set, Whisper. You guys are weird. Dude, it's been a whole week without any games, and I have invested. <laughs> you are talking to a proud owner of not one, but two Avengers tickets. Ooh, opening? Ooh. Uh, no, Friday. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, the the bad thing about being in New York City is that uh, every theater manageable uh, just booked and sold out of their tickets like the second that tickets dropped. Yeah, my movie starts at ten thirty p.m. <laughs> so I, I still haven't seen Captain Marvel. To be honest, I'm quite ashamed to admit. Because we we want to go to see that with my 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 sister's kids. We we watched the entire Marvel universe, like all the films together with them. So we promised that. 
from uh, when when you films started to come out, we wanted to go and see them together, and they aren't available and all that. So yeah, I'm, I'm two movies behind now. Go for it. It's good fun. I might just go and watch it and just lie to them. And like uh, when we watch it again, I'm like, oh, this is so exciting and surprising. But in fact, I've already seen it in the past. See, my problem with the little one now is finding the time to actually go. Like I, I hadn't actually seen um, Infinity War until like two months after it was released. Like the great thing was, got seats, no problem. The horrible thing was trying to avoid spoilers for that period of time when I'm on social media, it's like next level crazy. I don't know how I'm going to do it with the, uh, whatever it is, the fallen avenge, the fallen. Yeah. End game End game, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's... Revenge of the fall was that transformers. Oh movie, gosh. It? Yeah, it was <laughs> not a good one, but, but okay. I, I have to admit my confusion has to do with all of their posters and their marketing campaign. Yeah. I think oh, she's the, uh, two... the tagline. Isn't she too young to see that, you know, when, when Ant-Man will go up uh, Thanos' uh, you know? Yes, my, <laughs> my, my little girl is too young to see that. In fact, I have to watch what I'm watching on TV now. Like, I had it on, like, I don't know, Animal Planet or something, or watching Planet Earth. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, a nature show. It's pretty good. <laughs> right up until the alligator took out, like, the penguin, or not the penguin, the, like, flamingo. And, and, and baby four, she's like, no, daddy, no. No, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm a horrible father. Anyhow, um, what are we going to talk about with this episode? Well, we aren't going to talk about uh, the new Avengers movie, nor are we going to talk about uh, Planet Earth and Baby Force's reaction to the Circle of Life. We're going to talk about the Vancouver Titans resuming their undefeated Overwatch League season by facing off against Hangzhou Spark. We're going to go through their schedule for the second stage. Uh, yeah few other tidbits that we can talk about the Titans there. I'm positive that Taylor's got some thoughts. Uh, there's also going to be a watch party. We'll talk a little bit about that in the fray. We're going to go through our stage two power rankings. That's right. We applied more science, like so much science to our stage two power rankings. So we're going to come up with those. There's changes, trades, match the week. I don't know. We'll just make things up as we go. And maybe we'll start talking about uh, our favorite uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movie or something Spoiler like that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. It's science times two. Moving the payload. Join me. So looking at the Titans schedule, they start off against the spark in the battle of the art. Is that, is that the tagline? Like I, I saw that the the Spark and the Titans were getting into it on social media as to who is going to produce the best artwork, and I've, I think I've made it very clear I'm a big fan of the the Sparks uh, Twitter art game. Yeah, I would just say uh, the the one thing I do like about the uh, the art battle and the undercurrent theme is is that the greatest mystery in esports is wondering what the Vancouver Titans social media losing artwork is. Because we've seen it from the Hangzhou Spark, and they've done a great job of like showing both what the win and loss ones would be for each poster. Uh, they've been uh, sharing them on various social media. But the Vancouver Titans, they're still keeping those, uh, those unlocked, so I wonder if we'll ever find out. And if I wonder what Hangzhou Spark's one looks like uh, for if they would ever beat the Vancouver Titans. I like also how they kind of create like their own uh, owl universe where I think they were the first to kind of uh, label uh, the Titans as, you know, the Mad Titan, Thanos, and, and everybody's kind of embracing it. So it's pretty sweet to see how the, there's like some 
small stories, I guess, the art people amongst the teams on Twitter are having amongst themselves. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, the Spark were the ones who uh, put out the Thanos poster, um, which maybe is a good segue to start talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or not. But that is the week one stage two matchup against the uh, Spark. Now, do we see the Spark putting up a better fight than maybe we saw some of the other teams that Titans faced in stage one? I mean, we have to, uh, you know, look at the fact that the meta might start to change. And we're going to get into that a little bit when we get into our power rankings. But is there really a fight to be had or is this just the Titans, you know, first, uh, arguably first win of stage two? Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, I, I think that Hangzhou does have a very strong team. I think more time with Gushui and the rest of the team can only help uh, with their language barrier. And Godspeed is an insanely talented hitscan DPS player. So I think if the stage was further along, I would actually be a little bit more worried about this game for the Vancouver Titans because Hangzhou Spark are just so individually talented. But the problem is, even though they have so much of their core still from uh, X6 Gaming, from uh, Korean contenders, uh, I just don't see them gelling well with Gushui. And I think with week one, we're liable to just see more goats uh, when in doubt goats it out. I think we're just going to see more of the 3-3 triple tank, triple support meta being run. I think people are just going to run comps they're comfortable with. And I, I think Vancouver is just going to easily take this one. I don't really see much of a fight from the Hangzhou Spark, despite them being uh, such a talented team. Yeah, one thing that might be a worry that it looks like, uh, you know, from uh, multiple sources that now Winston is going to be the, the predominant tank in GOATS and Gushui obviously is a very good uh monkey not to say that he's a bad uh, Ryan, but it's definitely his uh, go-to hero. Yeah, I think I think that's the main thing. Actually, out of out of all the matches this this whole stage, um, Hangzhou is actually the one that pops up to me the most. I actually think they'll they'll give us a good run for our money. Well, if we look at that uh, particular uh, match itself, I mean, we're going to see a bunch of new maps. So the Titans and Spark are going to face off in Oasis first. Then it goes to Hanamura. We get to our familiar King's Row, followed by Gibraltar. Now, I think if we were to consider the Titans' makeup, uh, Hanamura and King's Row, I think they probably would still try to run a traditional Goats. Uh, you'd probably see the, the Monkey Goats matchup on Gibraltar. Uh, and Oasis, you know, Taylor, you'd point it out. Is it, you know, Goats until you can't Goats no more? I think I actually with Oasis... We'll probably see triple DPS. In fact, uh, as far back as like Apex Season 2, Oasis was kind of a map where, except for University, University is like Ryan Goat's central. It used to be like quad tank slambulance uh, even before Break was introduced to the game. Uh, but I think we might be able to see some triple DPS on Oasis, especially on City Center. Uh, in fact, Runaway in their final against Lunatic High in Apex Season 2 uh, ran triple DPS with Bumper on Mercy, if you can believe it. Uh, it was that long ago. Uh, but yeah, King's Row, just like a classic GOATS match. I actually think Gibra like, Gibraltar is a bit of a struggle because like Bumper's Winston is very good, but Gushui is the god Winston. 
And while I love Stitch, he's a better McCree tracer than he is a Widowmaker, and Godspeed can just like dunk all over me all day with the long sight lines that Gibraltar has. Quick question. Bumper Mercy, Bumper Hanzo, which one OP? Bumper Mercy <laughs> was actually not bad. He got a couple of reses off, and they beat Lunatic High uh, on Oasis. So, yeah, it was a wild time. Bumper actually... He wasn't even playing main support for them usually. He was playing off tank, so he was usually their diva Zarya. Hmm. But he was just onto Mercy for that round. It was uh it was pretty funny to watch. But wait, what's Mercy's shift? Is that like Guardian Angel? Because he just might like shift his way into the enemy. <laughs> it, it did happen a couple times where uh he got stuck on that ledge, if you know, by the jump pad on the right side. Oh uh, and he was like trying to fly up to the Pharaoh, who I believe was Huxel. No, Huxel was the Genji. Forget exactly who was the Pharaoh, but uh might have, yeah, it wasn't Stitch. But yeah, good, he wasn't able to get up there. Good point to bring out Gibraltar. We haven't seen that map yet. And it's one of those maps that um, teams like to experiment on, especially on that uh, first push. You see those weird loadouts now with Doomfist back in the game. I think we see that uh, big jump that he makes to the high ground. We might see a lot of experimentation, that, that weird uh, quadruple DPS, triple DPS, the Chengdu meta maybe. Uh, so they might catch us off guard. I mean, at this point, would teams still be willing to try goats their way through the Titans? I think it's kind of like a silly thing to do. But a lot of the times I see teams very stagnant with what they run and they are not that willing to experiment. But honestly, I don't see why wouldn't they. But it's just me, I guess. I think definitely there's going to be a lot of lot of experimentation, especially because... I think the main thing that we all forget about stage one is everybody's seen the Titans now more than more than any other team. The reason being that, you know, they played all the matches. Um, so they've had time to prepare for this if, you know, if they weren't, you know, chasing around Disneyland or, or whatever everybody, every other player was doing. Um, and, and so, and the other key thing is San Francisco made us bleed. And, and that does show some of the, the things that they might try to, replicate you know i know for a fact if i was an analyst or a coach i'd be looking very hard at those matches what what was the shock able to exploit from the titans um especially with the you know the new meta coming in like could it be exploited even more um we meant we mentioned the bumper winston being you know being fair um a lot weaker than the the bumper ryan um is that some of the things that they'll try to kind of take advantage of i think that's what makes it kind of kind of interesting and why i kind of go back to mentioning um, this is what, it, what this would be one of the matches I'd be worried about, you know, in terms of the first L. So we're gonna we're gonna see Stitch. I think is that a is that a sure thing? Uh, I don't know because like Soman Su is such a freaking fantastic Zarya, uh, but I did feel like going through the VOD again through San Francisco and Vancouver in the finals. Uh, really, it, it, you you do bring up a good point in that um, San Francisco made the Titans bleed, but at the same time. It's like, ah, yes, let's all go back, okay? So all we need is a god-tier main tank and the best Zarya in the game. Hmm, easy. All That's all, all we need to do to take the Titans to seven maps. Uh, because Sinatra was very much outplaying Somensu, not just damage-wise, but bubble output-wise. Uh, and he was using his bubbles really well, and that was something that they were punishing Somensu on, uh, especially in the first four, five maps. Uh, but... Hangzhou with Godspeed not being a really great Zarya. And I think actually one of the things that is actually going to punish more teams uh, against Vancouver's GOATs is, are the Lucio nerfs. And I think people aren't going to be able to match 
Slime's aggression on the Lucio and his ability to, to consistently displace people with the boop uh, buffs that they did, the knockback rework. So I think it's actually going to be harder for people to like run at the Vancouver Titans or like play a reactive aggressive style because by the time they try to disengage or engage, uh, it's going to be a lot slower for the team to work that way. Yeah, two points there that you brought up are really good. Uh, it all comes down to the Zarya style of play. Uh, going back to the finals, since we are talking about it, we did lose some games. We are bleeding, especially in control maps. But when it came to, like, all the games that Vancouver won, they kind of won well. And the one that we lost were really, really close. So like you said, those boops will be more powerful. I, I guess he got nerfed in terms of us. Uh, you know, of his speed boost, but do you really need a speed boost when you're always charging? <laughs> I don't know, but it's all, it's all remained to be like tested and see <laughs> wh- where the, this meta goes. I, I subscribe to a positive mental attitude now, so let's not get me started on the shock again. I think when I talked about bleeding, I think I was very <laughs> much talking about um, the shock's aggression. Um, I think that was an effective strategy against the Titans. At least gives them gives them a running shot. Um, I think the reactive style or or trying to kind of bait out the Titans for mistakes was something that a lot of teams tried during stage one to a lot of failure. But you know, on the reverse, when the shot kind of just took it to them and 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 threw their best punches, that made it interesting, and that's what made the Titans bleed. Um, not to take anything away from from Super or Sinatra, of course. Are you going to be only positive about Spark, or does that include uh, teams like the Defiant as well? No, I'm never going to be positive about Defiant. Don't get okay. me <laughs> Before we get to the Defiant, I think the other thing to point out about aggression, you look at the Chengdu Hunters. They were taking the fight to the Titans, and I think that's where the success was. Not to try to suggest to all the other teams that are currently listening to the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, because we know they do, um, but uh, I do believe when the Titans are able to carry the fight, they're far more successful. Now, moving off of the the spark, and actually, maybe just before we do, all of us agree Titans are going to get that win. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a three-one. I think they lose Gibraltar. I think they put in Stitch on stage just to see how he can do mm-hmm. uh, on Gibraltar if it's a three-zero. But and I think they'll lose. Hangzhou actually, funnily enough, have this tendency to win map four against teams that are much better than them in series that they're getting rolled on. Uh, they did against. I believe both London and Houston, like they got crushed the first three maps and then they roll them on the fourth. So we might see a repeat of that. And considering how the Titans generally play map four uh, when they're up. Yeah, match made in heaven. Now, looking at the rest of their stage schedule. So in week two, they play both the Dynasty and the Outlaws. Week three, they play the Fuel and Uprising. They get week four off. And the reason why is that that is one of the the homestand weekends. It's the ultimate weekend in Dallas. And the uh, Titans are not involved in that. So week five has them then play the Defiant and the Dynasty. So the uh, Soul Dynasty, Sam's uh, favorite team. Uh, they get the uh, Titans twice. Are they they excited about that? Not really. Yeah, one for the right cheek, one for the left. It's uh, it's a bad time to be a Soul fan, and it's uh, Soul is actually my home hometown. It's where I was born before I came to the U.S. Uh, when I was 18 days old, so I don't really remember much. But uh, and I love Ryuji Hong, just like an absolute esports legend uh, over there in Korea. But it's uh, it's gonna be unfun to watch. Uh, well, like. On the perspective of being like a fan of the Titans and Runaway, like it's gonna be great to watch and run over Soul. But in terms of people who are like neutrals, it's a, it might be a bloodbath. 
They have more chance, I think, in week five. The, the worrisome thing, because we don't have really easy games, but then again, you are the best team, so any any game is your game to lose, and, and how I, I think every team will prepare, uh, will bring out their best strategies against the Titans, because we are now the champs, and we have a target on our back. But every time we play a second game in a week, we tend to be a little bit weaker, or sometimes we're just not as prepared. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Thumb fatigue. Also, uh, I think you said we don't have, uh, or the Titans don't have any uh, easy games, but don't they play the Houston Outlaws in week two? So, Oh, <laughs> Sam, you want to comment on that? Ooh, I'm not picking them twice. I already did that the first round. But, like, I, I have been hinting towards a couple weeks, like, and, and, you know, this is a precursor to all of our power rankings, but, like, Vancouver has one of the strangest stages that I can remember. Like, if you go down the list of Spark, Soul, um, Defiant, uh, I forgot, Houston even, like, these teams have high potential, but they also have this super low disappointing floor. And, and, you know, supporters of each of those teams will know exactly what I'm talking about when it's like one moment they really think they could be top tier and the other moment it's like, oh, wait, this is actually reality. Um, Just like, you know, what Soul experienced in the playoffs. But that's like 15 teams now uh, from stage one. I, I guess so. <laughs> I I will say, though, uh, I don't... Look, so like my roommate, great guy, he loves Houston Outlaws. And like, I get it. Like, they're a very popular team. Do they have that high of a potential? Is is, is Can we honestly... Like, maybe if it goes to a Orissa, Diva, Junkrat, Widow, Zen Mercy meta... Then yeah, I think they have high potential, but outside of those specific niches, I I don't know if we can really say they have that high of a potential. When mm, yeah. one of the Jake, weakest rosters, in my opinion, too. Like Jake to me is by far the worst break in the game. I think from a from a like intangible perspective, he brings a lot of communication and a lot of leadership. But I was there for the NYXL Houston matchup uh, in stage one, and Jake was just getting run over every single time you could see how frustrated he was getting and if it wasn't jake it was raucous and like when you have two incredible weak links it actually becomes easy pickings for the other team it's not like a choose your poison it's like a choose your feast kind of deal i think the thing about houston is it i they feel a little bit like um soul but NA style. I think, you know, Jake and Cool Matt have been around for a long time and, and around the Liga, at least amongst the players, in the same way, you know, how, you know, we all love Ruji Hong and all the stuff that he's done. I mean, Ruji Hong's had bad stages, bad seasons. Um, but that that res- that respect for, for Jake and, you know, what he's done for in the game, at least, has always been there, which is why there's always this kind of hovering, hovering like, oh, Houston has high potential. Um, and, and I think you're totally bang on in that, you know, what, just, just like some other team that I won't mention again, they, they haven't really done anything. They haven't won anything. Um, but they've, they've surprised us a couple of times. Um, just to, just a precursor, they were one of my surprise teams going into stage one. Um, they highly disappointed me. And, and I think just down their roster, there's a lot of interesting characters. Like nobody has mentioned anything about Arhan. Arhan? Is he, is he still around? Is he still is he still playing or does he just... Arhan has disappeared into the ether. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it might be because Houston is like trying to appeal to like the NA audience by saying like we have an all NA read non-Korean roster. 
Oh, wait, Arhan's on our roster. Uh, let's hide Arhan so you don't know we have a Korean on our roster and it'll be mm, fine. Officially, he's still there, yeah. yeah. Isn't there one of their coaches uh, Korean? I think they yeah, have... Yeah, Tyrong. Uh, Tyrong. Tyrong yeah. is actually a perfect fit for Houston because he played some Metro for Team South Korea in the 2016 World Cup, uh, Overwatch World Cup. It was, yeah, he they did were a lot like of Lucio just, too. Yeah, uh, you're just straight dunking on people. You're dead on. It feels to me that like, Houston is like uh, sort of living in the past, and they they're not really realizing what what it seems like Dallas is realizing uh, right now. And they have a bunch of weak links there. They have a few good players, and they 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 are in for a massive rebuild. If if their goal is like to play fine and maybe get in in a wild card, maybe get into a stage playoff, yeah, keep on it. But if you want to be a winning organization, they need to like. <laughs> bring in the shovels and, and and start rebuilding. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I you know in traditional sports we use the word rebuild a lot. How does how do you guys see that working within within the Overwatch League cuz it's not like we can get draft picks or 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 tank for for some sort of purpose. Like if the team's bad, like the until they throw away all the old players and get new players like nothing like nothing Dallas really changes. Feels like Dallas are doing that, but I I'm not sure if that's ultimately going to make them much much better it looks definitely looks like they're changing who do they have left and i think like most of their old players like from the envious are are also facing the door right now just hanging out culture because yeah, coco just got cut too today so mm-hmm. he was in a coaching position but yeah he's gone too yeah it's for me you see rebuilds in overwatch league because uh, like you have uh tanking kind of with how the San Francisco Shock played it last year where they had Super Sinatra, they got Violet, uh even when they were all too young uh to play like opening day or whatnot, and just bank on the youth playing out. But I think they have to like teams if they want to rebuild, they have to like go the route of Boston and like just be ruthless. Just like if you understand that your team, like this player isn't helping you right now and you can get better value from him, like you just gotta let him go. Or let her go. Like Look at Shanghai. Shanghai rebuilt themselves. Uh, they did exactly uh, what they did in cutting literally everyone except for, I believe, Fearless and Keguri. And then they just picked up the, the scraps of Kongdu Panthera uh, because they couldn't get Roar and Decay because Roar and Decay both got signed by Gladiators. So they were just like, okay, uh, we'll pick up, we'll keep Fearless, we'll keep Keguri, we'll get Kongdu Panthera. Oh, Fearless can't make it because of personal issues. Well, then we'll get Gomsu and Shanghai Dragons. They're a completely rebuilt team now. To bring the conversation back on the rails, being that this is the payload, and we should be talking about the Titans. Save all that great conversation for the fray. Titans are still good. Yeah, <laughs> too good. 7-0. Titans are going 7-0. Looks like it. Yeah. yeah. The um, w- one match that... Uh, gives me pause is the Toronto Defiant match. And that's not because I think the Toronto Defiant are the better team. It's that in the battle of Canada, I kind of feel that the ownership group for Toronto may place a fair amount of, I don't know, chutzpah to the match based on the Canadian uh, component. But again, I still think the Titans take it. I won't be able to watch it. I'm going to be on a cruise ship. And for those listeners that are curious, well, how the heck is, you know, Chris going to go and host an episode failing to watch the Defiant and Dynasty match? Uh, I won't be. It'll be the NBA episode with Omni and Sam. Right on. Finally. (laughs) The Raptors will be done by then. Don't worry. (laughs) But uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about with the Titans, and it's actually just a more recent development. 
is that uh, on social they released a video. It was a uh, Eye of the Titan. I don't know if it was supposed to be a play of a guy of the tiger or you know the fact that the GoPro camera was attached to, you know, a pole on someone's head or, or something like that. But we got to see a little bit of the team house and uh we got to sort of see some things like um was it slime that was eating like a gallon of ice cream? Just a pint. Don't exaggerate. Yeah, there there are some mixed sources as to what it is. Is it ice cream, guac? I don't know. Something green. Something, and it's so ironic that it's it's got to be slime, right? <laughs> I haven't thought of that. That's a good point. The uh, the video itself, if you haven't seen it, it's it's kind of neat. Um, I I personally wish there was more narrative. Like you know, you see some of the videos that are put out by other teams where, you know, the players themselves sort of like, you know, take you on the tour or have a conversation. There was very little interaction and what interaction that was there, it was awkward. Like at, right at the start, it's like, Oh, should we introduce ourselves? I'm thinking that that's B roll stuff. That's not the stuff that you go and you publish it, again, a little weird, but whatever. I'm not here to complain. Cause I would rather have something than nothing. Um, the, uh, I'm trying to think what the title of the video was. Uh, that uh, was bumper and uh, was it Hacksaw that was in the car with in the, Janu in the Toyota. Janu, that yeah, was much Toyota better. One. Yeah, I oh yeah, that, that was a lot more. of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, with Mister X, I think to to me that's what I want to see more of from from the Titans. Like they're they're to be that sort of back and forth, that conversation. And Bumper can speak English pretty well. I was surprised about that too. Uh, especially from the uh the Toyota Corolla. I mean, wow, fantastic advertising. I don't even remember the the name of the segment. I just know that they were Yeah, the uh, Toyota Corolla one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it, it does seem so weird to me that the uh the social media for Vancouver Titans is not painting like Vancouver Titans as such a like fun, enjoyable light when they were by far the most popular team in Korea with the biggest social media fan base. Yeah, and that, that's something we've talked about here on the on the podcast before. Um, I, I will give them plaudits for doing a better job now. It's almost like they had to warm up, and I think they're sort of feeling the waters. There's they're testing things out, but uh, you know, if you haven't seen the video, sit, go watch it. Uh, hopefully, we'll see more. Yeah. Apparently, they're they're implying it's the first of a series. They also have the Titan Tales. I like actually the Titan Tales videos. To me, the the two that we've seen so far, those have really resonated. So maybe we'll the Eye of the Titan will. We'll yeah. change. The one with the Toyota is called Access Granted. Look it up. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I actually think that Canucks have something something similar with a similar deal with Toyota as well. Um, where they just take players around town and kind of kind of follow them along all, all the way advertising their Corollas. Yeah. Um, um yeah, but I think I think for, for the you know, the average fan or those who don't understand, I think the the Toyota video was from the league um, versus the, the Eye of the Tiger Titan. I almost said Tiger there. Uh, sorry, Sol. Um, that's from straight from the team's production team. Yeah. Soul endangered. What's endangered? Have you seen their uh, April Fool's they, logo? They uh, they did a mashup with uh, Chengdu Hunters and Soul Dynasty and like, oh. made a super roster that they called the endangered. Got it. Yeah, see, I, I stay off of social media for April 1st because you can't believe anything it's the best time yeah Yeah. i rickrolled so many of my friends it was wonderful well i I, apparently rsp missed out like the titans you know discord server went to team runaway they actually had people fall for it and 
throughout that entire time, I could have totally been pitching the RSP Discord as like the new official home of the Vancouver Titans. I could have run with it. And like, what would they have done? They would have, they can't say no. It'd have been my one day of, you know, claim to fame. Anyhow, uh, enough of that. Before we go and take a quick break, I do want to let everyone know who doesn't already know already that the Titans are going to have an official watch party this Sunday at the sports bar at Rogers Arena. So you'll get to see the Vancouver Titans take on the Hangzhou Spark. Now, this watch party is a little bit different than the ones that we'd previously seen. So previously, a general admission ticket was free. And then if you wanted to pick up swag uh, for the reveal. It was a hundred dollars for some exclusive swag. And for the first watch party, the first match against the Shanghai dragons, it was $150, which got you some exclusive swag, including a very nice Herschel uh, uh, branded Vancouver Titans bag. But for this watch party, it is a $10 ticket. And that's all there is $10 tickets. And that $10 ticket provides guaranteed access to the event. It provides you a Vancouver on Joe Spark, uh, uh, collectible Titans series poster. So this is kind of interesting because the spark create posters and yet the Titans are giving one away. Anyhow, um, there's going to be a chance to win great Titans prizes throughout the event. I don't know how they'll be managing that, uh, or what that'll look like or what the prizes will be outside of they'll be there. The event itself is all ages, as they always have been at the sports bar, and a ticket is what guarantees entry. However, for those of you who don't want to drop the $10 because you don't wish to get that poster and maybe the chance because it's not that clear, there is limited space available to those without a ticket, but those guests will not be provided with the collectible Titans series poster. So, up to you. Now, I've already dropped my $10. I got my ticket. Uh, Taylor, are you going to fly into Vancouver go to that? Man, I would if I could, but I'll actually, uh, next week, I'll be in Montreal, so wrong part of Canada, so. <laughs> well, at least you're, 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 you're getting close. You're crossing the border, at least. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a stone's throw away from Montreal to Vancouver, right? They yeah. don't really tell us much about Canadian geography in yeah, the American school system. Pretty much. You can, it's, it's like two buses you'll, you get there, no problem. But, uh, Sam, Omni, want to see you guys, uh, out there at the watch party? I'm totally going to be there. I'm going to, I dished out 20. I'm going to be there with the wife. She's going to rock the best t-shirt in the house. So uh, look forward to that. You're going to be selling t-shirts on the spot? Oh, I can't sell those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out of there in no time. Yeah, new- I, don't, I don't think the Titans can sell any more shirts, right? Or Oh, they still do. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird with Fanatics now. Well, so with the Titans merch, there will be Titans merch available um, for purchase at the watch party. But I went to the, the finals watch party, the one that was not a Titans official watch party. It was a stage finals watch party because there's an intricacy on how it's called to make it happen. Anyhow, regardless, they had Titans merch for sale. Now, most of it that you would see there is really no different than what you would pay after shipping and exchange uh, coming from the Fanatics uh, store or Watch League store uh, in the U.S. So for those of you who are thinking, well, $120 for a jersey seems a lot of money, once you factor in the exchange rate and shipping and all of that, essentially you were just saving yourself the weight. They did, however, still have some of their reveal merch. So those really nice hoodies that uh, people saw there were some available at the uh, stage uh, final uh, watch party. Whether or not they'll be m- though what available for this one, having a clue. Uh, your best uh, option is to ask the Vancouver Titans on Twitter and hope that they uh, they let you know. But uh, so Ani's there, I'm there. Sam, are you coming out? 
We'll see. It'll be a game time decision. Game time decision. Well, you heard it here. Hopefully Sam realizes that we've said the word Sunday and, and not Saturday. Mm. But we'll take a quick break before we jump into the fray. Ready, set, pwn. When we went into the process to create our stage one Overwatch League uh, power rankings, we used the power of science. We scienced the hell out of power rankings. We're pretty much like, was it Mark Watney is the guy's name uh, in, uh, gosh, what was that movie? Mars, whatever. Can't remember. But you know what I'm talking about. No idea what you're talking about there, buddy. Oh, dude, man. Uh, Invaders from Mars? No, no, no. The, oh, jeez. Astronaut left on Mars. Uh, oh, oh was Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, on Mars. <laughs> yeah, the Mars version of Saving Private Ryan. That's yeah. exactly it. Anyhow, he science the hell out of those potatoes by growing them in his own uh, refuse. Well, we're going to do that with the power rankings. Except no refuse. Why not? I mean, I don't know what you do with the the Google Sheet, uh, to be honest. You might do some crazy stuff with it. But what we're going to do here is we're going to quickly go through in a much more expedient fashion as to where we have our power rankings set up. Now, prior to recording, we went through the review and we actually had one question come up. And that was, where do we place the Atlanta rain? Now, the rain, we kind of rated lower, then we moved back up. But I think overall, are we agreed we're going to keep them in the same spot? Mm, Yeah. Okay. So, just like we did with stage one, we're going to go from the bottom all the way to the top. Now, in the out-of-playoffs tier, which includes the... Reported for throwing group, the GG Easy and Upside, quote unquote. Uh, well, it shouldn't be any surprise that reported for throwing, once again, are the Florida Mayhem and the Washington Justice. That's our bottom two teams. We got Florida Mayhem bottom, Washington Justice close behind. Now, we've got Boston Uprising dropping all the way to 18. We got Paris Eternal at 17. The LA Valiant, still down at the bottom. We got them at 16. The Atlanta Rain, 15. The Houston Outlaws at 14. And the Guangzhou Charge at 13. Now, Taylor, you being the guest expert, are we completely out to lunch here? I mean, my goodness, what the heck is Houston doing so far from the bottom? Um, unless it's a it's a widow meta, I don't see a way for uh, Houston to really pop off to really be better than a bottom tier team. I mean, like let's just look at the schedule that Houston has this stage, right? So week one, they don't have a game for some reason. They play Vancouver, they play Philly and Shanghai. Shanghai looks much better. They have to play Seoul and they have to play Dallas in Dallas for the ultimate weekend. Then they finish up week five against Guangzhou and London. They really don't have any easy games, and like it's like basically meaning they don't have any games against Washington, 
uh, LA Valiant, Florida. And so I, I would put like Houston Outlaws at 18. I would have actually Valiant above them. And then Boston being so low. Do you guys, do you guys mind expanding a little more on the reason why Boston has fallen so low in your power rankings? I think Boston is very rigid in terms of how they address the meta. I think without uh, fusions popping off on Ryan all the time, they are much, 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 much worse from what their record currently is. Kind of like I feel about um, um, the Valiant. If you look at their uh, performances, if you look at their games played, they're much better than their record might uh uh, show so I feel like now with uh, Ryan's role being diminished, with Boops coming uh, a little bit uh, stronger, and now people totally know what to expect. I I, I mean what I, what I'm trying to say here is everybody knows what they're gonna run and everybody knows how to counter it now. With tools are even better now to counter them. I I can't see them kind of being above. I guess the teams that we placed above them <laughs> to uh, make a long story short. First I mean, all, like, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry no, no worries. Go, go. Uh, regarding Houston, Monty, is that you? Are you? Is, <laughs> is that actually Taylor? Or is that Monty over there? Um, I have. Yeah, I Monty think... has actually wanted to become Korean so much that he's actually embodied the, <laughs> the form of me. Um, I yeah, I, I think just to hop more on Boston. I think when I'll. And, and you know we we watch most matches, but not all of them. And honestly, Boston just isn't one of those teams that we're gonna be like, ooh, match of the week for sure. I gotta gotta make sure I get my fusions fixed. Um, but when they played us in the playoffs, I, I stated back then, and I'll restate it now. I think they were one of the worst teams Vancouver played all stage. Um, and you know we played the Valiant. I I give the Valiant more credit than you know the showing that Boston did. Um, and, 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 you know, that isn't even taking into effect the, the trade, uh, spoiler alert again, that just happened. Um, I don't know how our feelings are mixed about that, but we definitely had these power rankings before, before we knew about the trade. That's, I'd actually, oh, sorry. I, I, even, I even feel they're weaker now considering that trade. And honestly, I can't see them performing well in a, in a flexible meta now. Well, what I was going to say is just specifically to, to Boston. I mean, all three of us essentially had them uh, at the bottom of the pile. I mean, Sam gave them uh, some ups by having them at the 17 spot. Um, but both myself and, and Omni felt at 18. And I, I sort of have to agree. I feel that Boston overachieved in stage one. And I, I don't see them providing the same performance going into stage two. Uh, as far as Houston... Uh, being as high as they are for me, that actually had more to do with the teams around them and where I felt they would rate as opposed to the performance of the Houston outlaws. The difficulty is that with the unbalanced schedule is, is we do see this vast spread, you know, within, you know, the GGEZ upside group that we have. And then as we get into our, our next classification, there, there's, it doesn't take much more than map differential to move teams around. We saw that going in the playoffs with stage one and how, you know, how Boston was able to, to qualify. So uh, you're right. You know, maybe with strength of schedule, we, we got this one a little bit wrong, but we've used science. Yeah. I'm going to just add two more comments about Houston and Boston. Uh, Houston is actually, I looked at the current standings as well, how they finished uh, stage one. Still, it was that little big uh, pile of teams uh, put up together. I think they call it the peloton in uh in Tour de France, you have that big pile of teams in the middle. So they're even projected to be 
down two spots right now, and that's not that's not really great. I guess the teams below them are even lower. And yeah, Boston, I think regardless of what meta we're going to get, Diva is pretty much a given. And note, despite of what people may think, I think he's the second best in a Diva after space. And he was like constantly playing well. He was very stable. And without him, I think it kind of will, uh, it, it might be a slippery slope for, for Boston in this stage. And I think one last thing about Boston is that it doesn't really matter where we put them. Um, they'll always end up outperforming whatever, whatever. Yeah, how can they overachieve like they usually do if we overrate them, right? We must put them exactly. low so they can always play the card. Oh, we Every, <laughs> exceeded expectations. Everybody doubted us, and 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 uh, we have the best scouting in the league. It's like yeah. that, that. That was a fight I was trying to trying to pick a little bit on on the Titans Discord. Is like there's there seems to be this kind of feeling that that Boston scouts players finds them, picks them up, and then scouts and then sells yeah. them and makes money, and and that's true, but. If they really did have the best scouts, then shouldn't they be winning things? Like, yeah. outside of that stage three, like, what? I, I mean, at the same time, it's kind of like a Moneyball thing, right? Where the Oakland A's have a great, fantastic scouting staff, but they just don't have the money to spend on players. Uh, and if you don't have the money to spend on players... Like, it's one thing... I think they're the best at scouting bang-for-their-buck players, more so than scouting the... Like, you don't really need good scouting to tell that Jonak is the best Zen in the league. Uh, you don't really need scouting to tell you that, like, oh, Somensu is a fantastic Zarya. But I think what they do 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 well is they find market inefficiencies and capitalize on them. Like, how did Fusions not get signed by anyone after that World Cup performance? My gosh. Like, he was caring so hard for Team UK. Like, sure, they didn't beat South Korea, but they took them closer than any other team I've ever seen over three World Cups, uh, except for Team Finland in the uh, in the Inchon qualifiers. Um, but yeah, like UK played out of their minds. And sure, Kib was like really carrying on that break for them. But to me, like Fusions, he didn't even play in the qualifiers in Paris for Team UK. Uh, they had played, I believe, LH Cloudy above him. And so like Fusion comes in cold for the World Cup and just absolutely carry. Like how, do, how does nobody pick him up? Uh, I, I think Boston, as much as I hate Boston... Uh, just like all Boston sports things now that I'm living in New York City and being uh, from Pittsburgh, like I have to give them credit. And I think to me, I ha- in my power rankings, I have them at 10. So, And I think Fusions and Aim God are strong enough, especially with the addition of RCK, uh, for them to continue on. Because remember, they finished stage one on a four-game winning streak, beating Seoul, Toronto, Florida, and Dallas. Yeah, I guess if your goal is to be always underrated and then kind of overachieving, that's fine. I'm not sure if they'll ever get closer to a championship using that approach. You cannot really build a foundation of a championship team there. But yeah, th- you're welcome, Huck, uh, for us underrating you and keeping you employed. <laughs> Moving up to the next classification, the wildcard classification. This is the group of teams that could be out of the playoffs or could be in the playoff hunt. Comprised of the two tiers, Mediocre City... And pretenders. So at the number 12 spot, we've got the Dallas Fuel. Number 11, the Shanghai Dragons. Number 10, the Chengdu Hunters, which we had reporting for throwing in stage one. Uh, Number nine is the Hangzhou Spark. And at number eight, Toronto Defiant. Number seven, the Los Angeles Gladiators. So again, Taylor, resident or actually, no, sorry, guest expert. Maybe a resident at some point down the road. Thoughts. 
I mean, I did love uh, the city of Vancouver when I went to visit a few summers ago. But uh, yeah, so I think generally, I think the fuel, Shanghai, Chengdu, I think makes sense. I think our Guangzhou, I think Guangzhou might be the best of that group, actually. But I think generally, like, it's such a fine line that it's tough to say. Chengdu is just like individually talented out the wazoo. Like Chengdu, they have just so much talent top to bottom that I think they'll be fine, especially if it does shift towards a triple tank, triple support, uh, sorry, out of a triple tank, triple support meta and more towards a triple DPS meta. Uh, my mo- Most of my, uh, I think, questions come with Hangzhou being so high up. I think we did talk about this earlier, and I'll just reiterate that I don't think they're a good GOATS team, uh, but we'll see, right? They do have the potential. But Gladiator's that low... I actually have Gladiators at 5 for me, so it's not that big of a difference, but the Gladiators to me with Decay, my gosh, like, the, if if you ever want to see uh, the world's greatest, like, DPS at it, uh, and watch some of the uh, the old Vancouver Titans squad, watch the Kyungdu Panthera Runaway Grand Finals uh, Korean Contenders Season 2, uh, and the Anubis map were on... Kongdu Panthera's attack, the K built up three Dragon Blades in the same fight. Like, the dude is a mechanical god. Where do you have the Gladiators right now? At your, in your ranking? I think oh, it's I, I have him at five. I have him at five. I think it's... Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's just two, two spots below. But Yeah, so you, just two spots below. But to me, I think... Uh, and we'll get the spoiler alert. I think it's more about the, uh, the certain teams that are above them in your power rankings. But yeah. <laughs> Like, to me, Gladiators, I would, like, I want to even put them right behind Fusion. I think they have the potential to be in that Titan Shock Excelsior tier. That's their ceiling for me. Well, Sam might actually agree with you on the Gladiators, because Sam had them as high as three. Shh, I thought we weren't going to do that this time. Well, (laughs) you're the one who put Soul up top, so you... You're pretty much going to get called out each and every. Uh, that stage is true. I point. have the gladiators at three. I have them above the shock. I have them above the Spitfire, uh, above the hunters. I just think that they they were starting to get the hang of the things in stage one. Um, they really they they had a pretty awful start. I'm going from memory here, um, but but they really stabilized themselves. I think they're going to get Bishu back as well. Um, I don't know what his kind of health status is. I hope hope best for him. Um, but but they also have a pretty interesting stage in that in that they are not really playing I, I, I from my memory they're not playing Vancouver or New York or or even San Francisco um, so so I kind of looked at their you know ease of schedule as a way to get some you know four O's and and that really pushes up their uh, their map differentials mm, yeah they, yeah oh, uh, sorry go ahead Oh, I, w- I was just gonna say, yeah, they don't get to, they don't have to play San Fran. Though, though they did beat San Fran, uh, three two in stage one, even in their early, uh, rough goings. But yeah, they they don't get to play the Mayhem's, the Valiants, the uh, Washington Justice of the Worlds. But they do only have to play like mid tier teams, Shanghai, Seoul, Guangzhou. They do play Valiant in the Battle for LA. Uh, oh wait, sorry, they do play Florida, Chengdu, and Boston. So it should be a very manageable stage for them, as opposed to the broiler that was stage one for them. Note to self, check every team's schedule going in. <laughs> it, it's hard, dude. You got you to gotta always have that one <laughs> no, thing. Right? I mean, to, to be serious, though, they're, they're are one of our uh, like rising teams, so we definitely expect them to play better. Like The way they uh, introduced Decay and Roar wasn't that uh, optimal with, with the um, 
you know, they, they had the, the punishments from uh, Blizzard at the start. But definitely looking back uh, at the fin- final weeks of Stage 1, they, they looked much better than their record would suggest. So we can expect them to be a good team. Regardless of Bishop coming back or not, Void was actually playing really, really well on that uh, role. Right. And and uh, one more thing before we head off to the, the, the other group. Chengdu, there's a problem I have with them. People think that just because they play a crazy meta, they're the best at that meta. I don't think if, if the league transitions to that, I don't think Among is definitely the best Hammond just because he played him the most. Uh, the most. Uh, I, I, I feel like losing that novelty and that unpredictability... Uh, would hurt them a little bit, but definitely I can see them rising as they are way more confident uh, going into stage two. Just a quick note of clarification. Roar played from the start. He didn't have any punishments. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant just as a duo. Right, and Decay uh, didn't turn 18. Because there were a couple of uh, players who did have the the boosting allegations. Yeah, you're right, it was. But Decay just didn't turn 18 until midway through stage one. Um, but yeah, definitely do agree with you without Ch- about Chengdu Hunters. I don't think Aming's like the god hamster. I think Muma might actually be better than him. Uh, just going strictly off streams that I've seen. And uh, But Jinmu. Jinmu is a very, very good DPS. I think he could, once he gets free range, I think he can really unleash on the league. Oh man, that Hanzo highlight. Holy <laughs> hell. I'm going to be completely honest. I think it was Slime who said Chengdu is the team to watch out for. Or was it Twilight? I can't remember. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm going with my boy's words, so... And moving up to our final classification, this is the playoff group, and I'm going to split it up into two tiers. The almost there tier is comprised of the Philadelphia Fusion at six, the Seoul Dynasty at five, and the London Spitfire climbing all the way back into it, coming in at four. Now, before we talk to just those three placements, I do think it's fair to point out that when we went and we applied math to all of this, The Spitfire, the Dynasty, the Fusion, the Gladiators, and the Defiant were all essentially holding on to the 6 to 7 spot. Like, that's how tight the ranking was for us. So I think we could see a lot of variability there. But to the three teams in the almost there tier, the Fusion, the Dynasty, Spitfire. Taylor, what did we do right? What did we get wrong? I think you guys got right that Soul... Like, obvi- I think Fusion are definitely in that tier. Uh, I think you can rank them really any which way. They have individual talent. I do think Sato might look better on the Winston, uh, but Carpe is going to pop off no matter if it's Zarya, if it's DPS heroes. Uh, they just have a very solid, complete team, and I think they're always going to be in contention for a top four spot. Uh, with Seoul, I think if you allow Fisher and Ryuji Hong to just pop off, they'll be fine. And it is really interesting the way they play their uh, A team and B team, kind of almost like uh, hockey shifts uh, where, uh, with line changes, and they just like rotate it in for control maps. Um, but I do think, and this might be a bit of controversy, that Marvel to me is a better main tank than Fisher is now. Uh, just following because they start following Marvel over the winter and the off-season because I had heard so much about him and heard heard that Soul was picking him up even though they had Fisher. So I was like, who the heck is this main tank they're getting one and they still have Fisher? And Marvel looks pretty good and it seems like he fits their style better. But I think if they just enable Ryuji Hong to pop off, if they just enable Fisher to pop off and Fleta gets to play not Brig, 
which he does have occasionally have to do with the B roster, uh, but he is on Zarya sometimes. I think they'll be fine. I think this is an optimistic outlook for how Zola can do, but uh, maybe not completely based in reality. The biggest issue I have is the fact that London might very well finish fourth in the standings, but they are by no means the fourth best team to me. I think even if they switch to Winston Goats Meadow, which I think this is very likely to, and Gesture is a very, very good Winston, much better at Winston than his Reinhardt. London just, even going back to stage one, when they popped off like they, oh, season one, like even in the stage one finals when they reverse swept New York, when they you know, went from the five seed, I believe, or six seed to the grand finals and won it. They never played well as a team. They just played really well as individuals who just outclassed everyone. Like, prime bird ring, stage one bird ring is still, to me, the most terrifying player in Overwatch League history. Because with prime bird ring, like, Prophet's great and everything, but bird ring before his wrist injury, like, could pull off such crazy things. Uh, but I do think they might finish well uh, in stage two, just because they have a relatively easy schedule. They play Florida and Atlanta week one. They finish off with the Houston Outlaws in week five. Uh, it, it's like really their only tough teams that they have, or maybe Atlanta, but Atlanta's going to be feeling things out with their roster uh, week one. Uh, Philly week two, and then uh, aforementioned Boston. So I think even though London might be rated highly, I would still have them like, if there could be a middle tier with like, no teams in it i would have like the top three this imaginary team where no teams allowed to be in and then i'd start having like this group of teams yeah it's funny when when we when i look at those teams every time i i see london uh, like london and philly i they kind of pair up in my mind i look at the rosters and <laughs> to quote a famous line just when i thought i was out they pull me back in i look at a roster and i Cannot imagine them playing as inconsistently as they were in stage one with meta experimentation, with uh, transitioning to monkey, uh, maybe seeing Carpe and um, EQO playing more DPS players uh, or, or heroes, I should say. I can definitely see them improving. So they're, they're kind of on the upwards trajectory for me. They kind of have the, a way of playing badly and still pulling through and as the stage kind of comes draws near they they'll make the stage playoffs occasionally i mean london did not they kind of collapsed but it's kind of a gut feeling i mean nobody really knows what's going to happen right we finished up uh 13 and a lot of people who <laughs> who have this as a job right they're, they're getting paid uh, have done uh, way worse than us so you can you can put uh you can trust what we say here on ready set pawn that's right we're not the worst this, this is our motto <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I also have London Spitfire on the up and up. I at my end of stage one after the finale uh, power rankings, I had them at twelfth, and now they I have them at eight. I do have them up at an upward trajectory. I just think their ceiling isn't as high as other teams, uh, specifically in a goats oriented meta. Maybe if like it completely warps to where you can see uh, profit on Tracer Widow, and you can see. Uh, Birdring on Farah Genji again. Uh, Doomfist. Oh my gosh, Birdring's Doomfist. Like, if we can see that again, like, maybe they can be a top four team, top three teams. But uh, outside of that, I don't really see them breaking into that stratosphere. And our last tier, the Contenders tier, we have the New York Excelsior at the third spot, much to the chagrin of probably the world. We have the San Francisco Shock at number two, 
And the Homer podcast has the Vancouver Titans at number one. Although it should be noted, we actually had the Vancouver Titans at the uh, five spot for our, our stage one. And it's difficult for us to look at the Titans at not being one of the top teams in stage two. Like we, whether you look at the schedule, you look at the fact that the Titans are a diverse team. It was the sixth actually, but yeah. Six. Yeah. But the point being is that, you know, we were conservative in our approach with stage one, that conservatism is out the window. It is completely and clearly the Vancouver Titans, the number one spot. Like, we actually had the Excelsior and Shock fighting for third. Like, it wasn't a matter of one of them was fighting for two with the, the way the rankings were. 2.7 uh, 2. and change was the split between those two. So, Taylor, New York, San Fran, Vancouver. Is that the top three in the league? At least I for stage two? I think that's definitive top three. I don't think any team is really going to come close. Uh, I do have a confession to make. I was a New York Excelsior fan last year. I just, <gasps> I think, yes. Well, man, this podcast just got ruined. Cut, cut him out. Cut him out. <laughs> cut the live stream. Cut the live stream. No, it's, uh, yeah, like, I still love my New York boys. Um, it, it's been actually a struggle for me because I, for me, I always justified it where Runaway was my favorite Overwatch team, but the Excelsior were my favorite Overwatch League team. As much as I loved Runaway and I thought that they should come together as a team, I didn't think that would actually happen. So now, in a bit of a conundrum. But I, yeah, that is exactly how I have my Stage 2 power rankings. I have Vancouver at first, I have San Francisco Shock at second, Excelsior at third. Again, I think the only way Titans aren't the best team or the only way Shock and Excelsior can go up is if the meta switches to a Soldier... Widow hit scan oriented meta because I love Stitch. Like Stitch is my boy, but unless he is on Tracer McCree, like his his widow isn't great. His real his widow is actually it's good compared to like the rest of the world, right? But like in Overwatch League, he'd be like an outside top ten widow for me. Huxall to me is like the OG Genji, but Mira was also the OG Winston. So, like, who's to say how good Hoxel's Genji is? Hoxel Genji was good in the KR Contenders final against Kong Patera, but to me, Decay outclassed him uh, on Anubis. Uh, but yeah, and like, San Francisco Shock just have so much depth. They lost a little bit of it by uh, selling Baby Bay to the Atlanta Reign, and Baby Bay would have been their Widow Specialist, but Striker is still there, and Striker is, of course, a god tier Tracer and Widow. Uh, Sinatra can all. all like, obviously played Tracer at an incredibly high level, and Zarya, and I'm sure at Soldier as well. So, it to me, like, this is kind of an open and shut case. I probably wouldn't have San Francisco Shock and Excelsior playing for third. Like, it'd still be a close second. But I do think the Titans are going to run away with Stage 2, uh, if you'll pardon the pun. Well, I think it was quite clear for us, at least, that, you know, it came to a strength of schedule, and I think the Titans... They don't seem to have too many question marks in front of them. Again, qualifying with the fact that uh, stage two meta that we see to start the stage could be a whole lot different than what we see at the end of the stage. Now, that said, our power rankings are locked in. We are going to be sharing that uh, throughout social. We actually have a graphic that Omni has whipped together that walks you through 
not only one, where our stage one rankings uh, were compared to the final season or final stage rankings, and then in turn stage two and all the movement uh, just followed along, lots of color. Uh, ultimately know that we've applied science to science here at Ready, Set, Pwn, and therefore our rankings are on point. Plus our motto is we're not the worst. Now, moving on, I, again, we're recording on a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening. Ooh, and Can I just uh, say one last thing? One last thing, fine. Just because you're a New uh, York fan, I'll <laughs> yes. let you do it. I do want to talk about how unfair the uh, the league has made it for New York because they technically have two bye weeks this stage. Week four, they don't travel to Dallas, so they obviously have a bad bye week then. And then week two, they play both ju- the Justice and the Mayhem. So they like, so they get two wins. They get an automatic two wins. That's that's a little unfair. And it's not like they have to play them back to back either. Like if they actually wanted to scout for Florida, they play Washington on Thursday and then Florida on Sunday. Hmm. Yeah, well as long as they don't change the playoff format, I don't see how the league uh can affect uh New York's performance really. Uh <laughs> just putting it out there. Ooh. It hurts because it's true. <laughs> So as we were saying, we record Tuesday night. You're going to be hearing this on a Wednesday or maybe later on in the week. But there was a whole lot of action today. Now, before we get into today's action, we actually missed some end of stage one action. It was in our our show notes, but we got all wrapped up into this whole, you know, stage one championship. We completely forgot to mention that uh, Ark is uh, on his way to Washington, care of the NYXL. And uh, Omni's note here was anything else, I guess? Arc to Washington. Yeah, Wizard Young's uh, genius plan is just pick uh, NYXL little by little and just move all the roster to uh, Washington. That would it's probably the farm work. Team, right? As long as they don't touch my boy Pie, like I will cut off, cut someone. That wasn't <laughs> he, he was signed to Shanghai, right? Uh, during uh, April first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From the fake Shanghai Dragons guy. Yeah, again, I, I saw that. I was like, I know it's April first. You're not kidding me. You're not kidding me with that. Well, I don't know. Spe- could Pine could be on the move if he sits on the Pine some more. Huh. I see what you did there. Speaking of April Fools, though, uh, shortly before, DeFran retired. He is now part of the Atlanta Rain stream team. Now, from what it sounds like, uh, DeFran had let the team know that uh, he was going to be done at the end of the stage. Uh, he agreed to play through to the end of the, uh, the stage itself and has now officially... Uh, Hung up his mouse and keyboard. I don't know. What would the proverbial uh, Overwatch League uh, reference be? Is this surprising? I guess not. It's, essentially, it's his technically second uh, attempted at retiring. But to be serious here, it's a very sensitive topic. And, and I've followed DeFran for a while now on his stream, even before he was uh, joining Atlanta. And honestly, he has to do what's best for him and for his life. I mean, looking back at his streams, and I'm just being gentle with this topic because he himself proclaimed that some days he gets up, he's happy as hell, he's streaming and all that, and sometimes it's just really, really rough on him. So I guess joining and having such a you know, a uh, uh, 180 turn on his life and, and having people depend on you and having uh, routines of practices. And it, it, it's tough. Not, any, not everybody who can click heads potentially be a pro athlete. There's a lot um, 
more involved than just sitting up there on on the stage. So I'm just uh, glad it it uh, it happened like it did. I think he had a lot of respect to his teammates, and he uh, kind of left the scene without uh, making you know uh, a whole show out of it, and just whatever makes him happy, right? And and hopefully Atlanta recuperates now with Baby Bay. They seem to have found a good uh, like backup now for that hit scan role, and that's all I have to say about that. Funny Astro has been signed by uh, the Atlanta Reign onto a two-way contract. Funny Astro support uh, player. Bench strength. Or is there something more there? I think it is mostly bench strength. Uh, it's, it's probably because he'll mostly be playing for their academy team. I believe Atlanta's academy team, Lucio, is Ajax. And Ajax, you know, he's been, he's been doing his best. Uh, but he's not... He gets uh, focused down a lot in their contenders matches. Uh, yes. Uh, so it, I I assume it's mostly for their two-way. Because Masa, who has been their Lucio, is an incredibly good shot caller from all accounts. So I think it's mostly just for uh, Bench. And also, I guess, trying to increase their stream dream team alignment. As far as all the action that took place today. So let's start off with the coaching changes. So the uh, Dallas Fuel have parted ways with Coco, the uh, Justice have parted ways with Obasil, and uh, the Toronto Defiant parted ways with Don. Is this just a matter of three teams that felt they underperformed making changes to the coaching staff as a means to re, I guess, retool going into the stage two and stage three process? I don't know if anybody of you can like uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, Toronto's coaching structure because I don't feel like they underperformed. This was the most surprising for me. I guess he's not the head coach there. The strategic coach. Yeah, so that's the only one that kind of stuck out for me. Uh, Paris and Washington definitely uh, kind of underperformed and I guess the, the easiest uh, way to change things is like, getting coaches out of the way rather than players i think uh maybe maybe the league punished toronto for their strat was uh to extend the game <laughs> time um yeah. but i mean in all seriousness like i th- i find it very strange because if you like two of these teams justice and, or no not three of these teams justice uh paris toronto they're all new teams so if you can kind of imagine the situation basically these guys haven't even passed probation uh at their job um, so, so I think it's very much like a, a personal team, you know, you know, maybe, maybe they weren't happy with their work or, or something like that. I don't necessarily think it has a lot to do with the standings per se. No. Um, maybe it just wasn't a right fit for, you know, if you look at it from a business perspective, like, like company wise, like we didn't, we, we didn't have the right culture or it wasn't the right, we didn't agree on things or whatever. I think to me, uh, Damon's departure makes the most sense sense for Paris because uh, there have been rumors that he does lean a little too hard on nepotism. Uh, I mean, for goodness sake, he brought wins to the World Cup team and he was playing uh, Ben Pest for Paris Eternal. And heck, even the uh, the social media manager or the player manager for the Paris Eternal is Wins's girlfriend. Like, <laughs> it go- the rabbit hole goes all the way down. Uh, yeah, and I thought LH Cloudy should have been playing over Ben Pest. Uh, Despite paying so much for soon, and I'm assuming a, you know, something for Shadowburn, they weren't able to actually scout 
to see whether or not any of them could actually play Zarya in a GOATS meta, which, as the casters would have you know, is a fairly important role in the GOATS meta lineup. Uh, yeah, so for me, Daemon, uh, his departure makes the most sense. For me, I actually uh, I want to talk a little about Coco's departure and what that means. I think uh, it's another way of Dallas Fuel really just letting go of their envious ties and like making it a little easier for them to do so without having to like look over their shoulder and be like, oh man, like don't want to break up the old boys club. But uh, you know, like once Coco is out, it might be easier to cut ties with Taimo. I don't know how much he's gonna be playing. Uh, Mickey, you know, he's he's a great clubhouse leader, I'm sure, but I don't know how much value he's going to be providing uh, on stage these days. We had a trade between the Fuel and the Boston Uprising. Note and RCK are all swapping up them jerseys. And uh, this one, I don't know. I have to say I'm kind of surprised by, but then what do I know? I'm a biased Vancouver fan, so tell me. What's going on here between Boston and Dallas? I think the most obvious uh, point of let's or line to draw between the connections is the fact that Arrow was the coach of Team USA, and he brought in Zachary when I really didn't see much reason why, although I guess they didn't really have much of a flex DPS player. Uh, but surely you could have found a better break somewhere in the world. Uh, meanwhile... Jane is also uh, on the coaching staff as an assistant coach, mostly working with the support line. But he was the head coach of Team Canada and always talked about Note as though Note was his own son. So I think that kind of explains it all. Meanwhile, Boston did play Dallas in their last matchup of Stage 1. So maybe Huck saw something in RCK Sombra because the reason why like Boston, like Boston didn't really have much flexibility uh, in running DPS comps because, I mean, we saw Note's Reaper uh, <laughs> on King's Row. Oh, it was <laughs> not good. Note really cannot play anything, uh, or at least we haven't seen him play anything well except for D.Va. So RCK does give them a little bit more flexibility in the comps they are able to run. So I, in, in that sense, I can see why Huck would want to pull the trigger there, and I'm sure the uh, value for Note was high. I, I do wish we had the transparency in Overwatch League that we do in, like, traditional sports where like you know a trade can't happen without everyone knowing exactly like how what the compensation was trade draft picks wise money wise who called who who sets what behind someone's back like we get that from the nba like watch bomb and like we had f5 season and it was like purely just from like official announcements we had no juice we had no leaks yeah well i think watch still has access to the spreadsheet while michael lost his uh, spreadsheet privileges so that's probably it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine Wadge or like Adam Schefter breaking Overwatch League news uh, on ESPN? That'd be that'd be uh, that'd be something. So Wadge did uh, do a bunch of NBA 2K draft news. So if you want to go into that, you could save I, all of that for your podcast. Yeah, in a month's just time. Worried about Chris here, but note to be fair, I, I don't know. Has Reaper worked for anyone during Stage One? No. It looked like a no. bad idea all the time, and people were still trying. Well, he is a tank buster, right? <laughs> so, oh, I can't believe people still think that when like his shotgun pellets just do nothing against the armor. Like, who in their right minds thought Reaper was a tank buster? I'm just gonna bash my head against the wall. <laughs> you know what he does well though? He's charge up Azaria pretty well. That's for sure. So, uh, I don't know. Last time Dallas did a trade, it kind of turned out pretty well. They got Unko. 
for uh, Custa, which seems to, you know, working for them. He's one of their best players, in my opinion. I don't know um, what's the angle there for Hawk again. I'm kind of like a downer on this for Boston, but we'll see how it uh, pans out. I, I don't see how RCK is a great uh, Sambra. I don't think he's better than uh, Note is on the Diva, but we will have to wait for the meta to kind of pan out. Still on the topic, Boston, they signed Persia, uh, Persia being a uh, support me. What what does this actually mean for the Uprising? I guess it means that uh, Aim God now has a great backup, because from what I saw on social media, I haven't watched a lot of Pacific Contenders. He apparently was the best player there, so uh, props to them for another good signing. Means Aim God's on sale. Aim (laughs) Aim God is really good now, so you know. That would uh, fit right in. Yeah, I've watched a lot of contenders, but mostly just NA contenders and Korea contenders, so I didn't, don't really know much about Persia, but I guess because they signed Fusions to an actual full contract, they had a two-way spot open up, and, you know, Huck's not going to pass on a easy way to store a roster spot and keep some talent around. Is he get, getting commissions on those deals? Sure, hope so. I'd imagine he does, because he's very, he uh, he's very proactive. I doubt it. I think he just is really, like, you know, like some of us like playing 2K and just like, you know, doing a my my team or my league and just like playing GM and doing all these trades. Like, I think that's uh, that's how, that's like part of the, the fun for him. Like, his job is to make the team yeah. as best as he can. And he's just he's, trying to do. he's just ahead of the curve. Everybody is like trying to get scrim bucks while he's getting real bucks. I mean, look, the Florida Mayhem tried to get scrim bucks and they signed Zephyr and we, they just lost to the Washington <laughs> Justice. And then the uh, final deal that I wanted to touch on was the fact that the Atlanta Reign acquired Baby Bay from the San Francisco Shock for who knows what. Because again, there is no transparency here. It might be future considerations. It might be a whole lot of cash. It might be pictures that someone has on someone. Who knows? But this this deal here seems, in my mind, to be well. It's it's good for Atlanta, but is what is San Francisco giving up in Baby Bay? I don't know. Like whatever you you may consider the meta to become, I don't think it'll ever become six DPS. So he's just sitting there on the bench, kind of like I did I did did last year. So why not? He, he has talent. He has a great soldier, a good hit scan uh, persona. He's also pretty. Uh, from what I've heard, he's a good leader. Then maybe that will fill in the gap of of the vocal leader instead of the friend. Because Nalir or Enlir, I forgot how you uh, say his name, but from watching some of his streams or or what what people say, while he is a very talented hitscan player, I'm not sure he's uh, quite local uh, vocal. So maybe that's kind of the gap that they're trying to fill in for the friend the friend's departure. Yeah, I think I have to give a little bit of credit to the shock. I think they they did right by Baby Blay. Uh, sending him to a team where he gets minutes. Um, I don't think there's much more to it than that. You know, like just just looking at the piece of paper, Atlanta lost a DPS, got a DPS. Shock had too many DPS, gave one up. So that you know, I I think they get some street cred around the league for that. Yeah, I think uh, Baby Bay, like you know, he'll, he'll be a good backup in case Inlayer doesn't play too well. Uh, I expect him to, but like Baby Bay is very good backup. Uh, and it reduces the shock from 5 DPS to 4 now, I believe, with Striker, Sinatra, uh, Rascal, Architect. I might be missing 
But I, I think that's it. Uh, which, you know, if you want to run... Inter- I don't think they have enough to run internal scrims, but maybe if they uh, rely on some ringers from their contenders team, they can do internal scrims, where if you had five, someone would have to sit out. But now you can just uh, run internal scrims all day uh, with two DPS apiece. Well, as we wrap up the fray, we're going to go and talk a little bit about our game, our games of interest. So as we restart the Overwatch League with Stage 2 on Thursday... At new and adjusted times, for those of you who did not realize this, uh, your Thursday and Friday nights are going to get later. So go to readysetpwn.com slash schedule to get all of the updated uh, times into your calendar of choice. We've already got that updated. Now, Thursday, Fusion versus Excelsior, Uprising Rain, Dragon's Glad, Charge, Eternal, and across the board, the three of us had Fusion, Excelsior as being the game of interest which one of those are you watching there, Taylor? I would presume it had to be New York now that uh, that cat's out of the bag. Yeah, it is definitely going to be. So I usually try to watch every game of uh, every day. But I think while the Fusion Excelsior matchup is going to be very good, the two teams do have a lot of history, have played some very good matches. I'm actually most excited to see Shanghai Dragons against Gladiators. Mm. Because the Shanghai Dragons uh, have Ding, Koma, Luffy, and Youngjin, who are all part of the Kong 2 Para team. Whereas... LA Gladiators have Decay and Roar from that Kongdu Panther team. And it was always so a little confusing to me that Shanghai Dragons would like pick up that core four because whenever I watched Kongdu Panther, I was like, oh, Roar and Decay are going to carry and everyone else is just going to put all their resources into them so that they don't drag the team down. So I, I feel like there will be a little bit of uh, motivation on the Dragon side uh, between Youngjin, Koma, Ding, Luffy to try and take down Roar and Decay and be like, hey, you guys weren't the carries. We were, we were actually doing most of the work. Uh, while Roar and Decay will inevitably just want to crush their former teammates because, you know, it's fun that way. So I am looking forward to that. I am, however, not looking forward to games starting at 12.15 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. That's why you got to move to the West Coast, Best Coast. It, it was nice. The, oh, gosh. Like, Seattle. The Pacific Northwest, like, it's a wonderful area. Like, props especially in the summer gosh you guys have it made in the shade it's really nice that's right and in the winter it's just the tropical part of canada so it's perfect on friday we've got the spitfire versus the mayhem the justice defiant valiant shock and gladiators dynasty now this one was a split decision two to one and the rsp hosts have the valiant uh, or sorry no, Chris had the Valiant Shock match is the one he wants to watch. But Alex and Sam, uh, they had the Gladiators and the Dynasty. So uh, which which hosts know the most there, Taylor? I think uh, both are very good answers. I think Valiant have circled this uh, on their calendar as we are not allowed to lose the game. Like, let's stop losing matches in a row. Whereas for the San Francisco Shock, they're like, Yo, we can't be the first team to lose to Valiant. So I think both teams are going to be incredibly motivated for that. The Gladiators Soul Dynasty one, I think, might just be a little lackluster because, you know, the Gladiators have to play a back-to-back uh, playing both Thursday and Friday. So it might be difficult for them, and Fisher's going to be motivated to perform well against this former team. On Saturday, it's the Mayhem versus the Fusion, the Defiant versus the Uprising, the Excelsior versus the Dragons, and the... Game of interest, or match of interest, the Chengdu Hunters versus the Paris Eternal. It was a three-pick there for us RSP hosts. Is that the one you're going to stay up late to watch, or what are we going to see? It's actually not too bad. It's 8.15 p.m. my time. okay. Well, not too Uh, bad. I think that might be the closest match in terms of, like, 
relative skill level. I don't know if it'll be exciting. You know, like the Washington Justice Florida match was yeah. a close match. To be but, honest, uh, I, yeah. Well, sorry, I just wanted to say that I selected this match because the others were kind of bad. To be honest, it's not, not. Yeah, it's it's not really a good day of Overwatch. Like the Toronto Boston one could be fun just because oh, of the Neko Sam line. can't wait for that game. Yeah, he stays up for all the Toronto matches. I wish there was a fast forward in lo- real live time. <laughs> so I actually now that that's uh, brought up, is there an actual rivalry within the fandoms between uh, Vancouver and Toronto? Like, is it is it strong on the internet or no? It, it it's it's to the point that it's almost absurd how well Toronto and Vancouver as teams seem to be getting along, as organizations seem to be getting along, and as fans seem to be getting along. This is very unusual for a Toronto-Vancouver rivalry. I, I, I think I I'm the only it. one that's trying to trying to make it one, but, you know, it's falling on deaf ears. You just didn't like how long their games uh, are usually played, right? They do play a lot a of lot. map fives. Like, what the heck? They, they have the longest played minutes in the league. In those trivia breaks, uh, <laughs> Toronto was by far the first one. Interestingly, though, second place was the Valiant, so... Yeah, hmm. a lot of close games for the poor Valiant. It's sad. I'm sorry that I'm going back to the Valiant. It's really harsh for them to uh, start playing against San Francisco. But if they get that win, oh, that that will be a great win for them. But I'm not play Costa. I'm not holding Free my breath. Custa. Hey, he's too smart, too smart for that team. You cannot play him. Yo, legit. I showed that clip of Coach Moon saying that, and I was like, Dad, you know, like. I'm like conversationally fluent in Korean, but maybe I don't get this right. And like my dad's a huge traditional. I, I totally get it. I mean, he's uh-huh. he's Coach Moon, right? And Custa has a galaxy brain. Galaxy is much oh. bigger than the moon, right? So he's he's we kind of the code. he's uh yeah he's he feels a bit uh, outclassed there. Yeah, my dad was like, "How is this coach not fired yet?" Like, what the heck? We should bring your dad on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I actually was showing him some of the uh, Disney XD stuff. It's actually really cool. I was just uh, watch. I was at home for a break for a weekend, uh, and it was like some of the games were on D- X- Disney XD. I was like, "Oh, is it okay if I watch it?" He was like, "Yeah, this is that uh, esports thing that's like been huge in Korea because they like my parents know about Faker. Like even random people in Korea know like about Faker and League over in Korea just because it's so big." So I was telling him a little bit about Overwatch League. <laughs> so. And as we segue into Sunday, outside of the fact that the Vancouver Titans are playing a Hangzhou Spark, and that is obviously the match of interest, we've got the Shock versus the Charge, the Rain versus the Spitfire, and the Justice versus the Hunters. Uh, Sam didn't even bother voting here, so Omni and I <laughs> pick the Shock Charge match as the one we might watch, along with the Titans Spark match. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about the Charge, but I like the roster. I, all the guys on that team are pretty likable they seem to given us given us uh like a hard time but i can't wait to see like uh shoe popping off and happy might pull out the widow i like their games even though they kind of like were up and down i like that team what can i say my only problem i have with guangzhou is that like uh similar and hex were like way too overhyping shoe like i love shoe and like happy and like they're very good but like, especially against the Titans matchup, they're like, "Oh, she was so good. He's like the best Zen in the league, not named Jonak." And I'm like, "Yo, Twilight, my boy, is just like 
Duncan <laughs> on shoe right now. Like, can we talk a little bit about Twilight? Is, is that okay? Is, oh, for sure. But yeah, he's he's Zen is not really great. I, I love his Anna. If he pulls out the Anna, man. I'm, oh, the Anna's great. I think I'm tuning in. Oh, his Anna's fantastic to me. Like. I'm biased, so Ryuji Hong's always going to be my favorite Ana, even though I don't know if his Ana deserves that title anymore. Uh, but, like, him, Jonak, Twilight... Because Twilight and Shu went back and, back and forth on the Ana. That was a lot of fun to watch. Well, as we wrap up another episode of the Race at Poem podcast, uh, I do want to give some major props to Taylor joining us here as a guest now for those of you who are curious how the heck did taylor find out how that uh, or how he could become a guest on the reset poem podcast please well, send us an email and that's feedback at readysetpoem.com which if you can't write down just go to readysetpoem.com and go to our contact page uh but taylor it's been a blast and you obviously seem to know more than the three of us so that's pretty cool oh i don't know about that it's uh i i've just been at it for longer i think uh you know it's and but the beauty of it is, uh, first of all, thank you again so much for having me on the podcast and responding. Uh, it's been a blast, and you know it's always great to be on podcasts and talk about Overwatch with people who clearly know so much and love so much about the game. The really awesome thing for me about Overwatch is that all the games are so readily available on the internet. So like, I I was telling my friends uh, who are, who became like new Vancouver fans or uh, during their stage, I was saying like, hey, like, go on YouTube. Watch their Apex Season 2, Apex Season 4 finals. The, like, heartbreaking Game 7s that they lost. Then watch, like, the KR Contenders final against Kong and Panthera that went to 8 maps! 8 maps, and the... It's just so much fun to, uh, to watch those again, especially when I remember, like, oh yeah, Bumper was playing Mercy on Oasis. That's, uh... It's always, uh... Can't really quite picture Bumper now on Mercy ever, but, uh, <laughs> it happened. So, if, uh, our listeners made it this far and they're looking to find you where, where, where can they locate you there taylor yeah of course uh so i'm always on twitter at feet steel taylor and then you can reach out to me uh there or through email feet steel taylor at gmail.com again i have a uh, my own daily podcast i'll be back uh which is just 30 minutes running down the news uh some big games uh match analysis uh you can find that on itunes spotify stitcher uh simplecast so yeah, and I'm also very heavily involved on Reddit, on our competitive Overwatch as well. I'm one of the power rankers there as a New York Excelsior representative. Oops. You know, if I had known this before, I mean, I would have, like, thrown your email to junk. You, you <laughs> can totally I, edit him out in post-production, just saying. That's true. I have power. I do have power. Yes, that's true. I'll, you know what? I'll just say uh, I am, of course, a fan of the Vancouver Times over in NYXL. Damn, there you go. There's a soundbite to... Uh, edit over no but i was actually very worried about who i would root for if nyxl played tanks until soul but did you a out, favor yeah soul did me a favor uh new york just showed <laughs> so i didn't even have to worry about it Oni, any final words of wisdom you wish to share to our thousands and thousands of listeners well i'll just take it back to my asmr theme they run away now are not owl level we do need a uh, ready, set, pwn ASMR. RSP ASMR. Sam? I guess just a quick reminder for y'all that New York Excelsior have not won a single game since Ark left the team. Ooh. It's like, you know, that, Fox Mulder stuff right there. Those were the advanced stats that Wizard Young was looking for. <laughs> I want to believe. 
As for me, I would like to remind you all, we are every which way to Sunday when you're looking for us. On Twitter, we're at ReadySetPone. Our Discord is uh, one of our pinned tweets, or a pinned tweet. But uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ReadySetPone. And on our blog, ReadySetPone.com. It's ReadySetPone every which way that you can look. So on behalf of Taylor at FateSteelTaylor, thank you for guesting. Hopefully we can get you back as the season goes along. Omni at Omni Strife and Sam at another Sam Chan. I'm going to sign off this episode with the two words we sign off each and every one, and that is catchphrase. Thank you.